Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of Discover North Korea. This is episode 14, and it is just me again today. The past few episodes, we've been having lots of guests, but the last episode and this episode, it is just me going to guide you through the topic today, which is all about visiting the North-South Korean border, otherwise known as the DMZ, Demilitarized Zone, or Panmunjom. Now, I do want to put a little bit of a disclaimer here in advance. Um, last week, if you listened to the podcast last week, I mentioned that I would be going to China this week. Now, um, I am recording this in the past, and you'll be listening to this in the future. Um, these podcast episodes come out every Thursday, and I am recording this before I go to China. Um, so I leave China, uh, leave for China on Sunday morning this week. I'm recording this in advance because I'm not bringing like all of my big podcast equipment with me. Um, I'm just going to be bringing some little mics, um, and so I wanted to record this episode in in um in the future so basically i don't have to bring all of my uh, editing software and stuff like that with me so i don't know yet <laughs> whether i am in china or not i hope when you're listening and um, because uh, you know i'm a bit uh, worried about whether i'm going to be able to get into china or not and i mentioned that on the last episode so if you're really excited to know whether i got into china and uh, you know what i'm up to in china then um, you can right now probably head to instagram and just check see where i am um, and, uh, and that's where I am. Hopefully I'm in China. If I'm not, then I'll probably be pretty upset about it. So, um, you know, send me a message on Instagram, comfort me. And, uh, if I am, then great. You can expect the next week's podcast episode 15 to be a bit of an exciting one. I'm going to take you on a train journey, um, to the North Korean border. Hopefully can't promise anything, but, um, that's what's in store if I, if I'm there. So, Thank you very much for coming back to the podcast once again. This is episode fourteen. Um, it's been a uh, it's been a good few few weeks so far of this podcast. 
only getting bigger, only getting more exciting, which is super cool. And I thought I would do this episode today because I think everyone has seen this uh, this podcast thumbnail, right? The North Korean soldier who's smiling and we are laughing and we're having fun chatting. This was taken at the DMZ and I think, um, to be honest, this is what really like threw my channel um, to be quite big. Um, it really threw it onto the um, onto the the stage a little bit. Um, it is my biggest video on YouTube. Um, if you haven't seen it, then um, I'm surprised you know me at all. I presume that everyone just finds me through that video. It's got over a million views, um, and it, it is definitely my biggest video. I think um, one of the reasons why it's so big is because not many people are used to seeing North Koreans smiling. Um, and that's the thumbnail of it. And I think not many people are used to seeing a North Korean soldier smiling. Um, and so I think that's why people, mo most people click into it. Um, and it's obviously become like my most recognizable thing. Um, and that's why I chose it to be the thumbnail of this, this podcast as well, because I really like it. Um, and it was only actually when I was editing the video and I got hold of this, um, this this uh what's it the, the the raw material for the videos and it was someone else that picked up on this like I never would have chosen this thumbnail I was going to choose something um I don't know some like the, the gates um to the Panmunjom area that has like North Korean writing on it and stuff and it looks quite ominous I was going to choose something like that but it was when someone was like whoa this is crazy um and they really kind of picked up on it and I was like oh okay yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of cool too you know um and I truly believe that if if that hadn't been the thumbnail I don't think it would have been that big at all um lots of people ask me questions about it how are you making videos with a soldier stuff like this so that's everything that I'm going to chat about today mainly I want to chat about um what the visit is like because if you've seen the video you'll know that it's only I think it's around 10 or, or 12 minutes long so it's really not very long at all uh, the entire visit to the to the DMZ in North Korea takes half a day, so you really can't cram much into that into that ten minute video. So I'm just gonna talk about the visit, um, and I'll talk about the video a little bit more as well uh, during this episode. And you know, the, these episodes are around an hour long, so um, maybe I'll try and keep it a little, little bit shorter. But yeah, it's just gonna be a, a chilled out chat, um, going into more detail about what it's really like to visit the DMZ, because I don't think the video does it justice, but it does do great on the visuals. So if you haven't seen it, then maybe listen to this podcast first, and then you can go back, see that video, and you'll get some um, some nice video footage on it. So uh, before we get into this episode, I want to say a big thank you for coming back. I know it sounds so generic, um, but I really, really mean it. This podcast is for you guys, um, so I love the fact that you keep coming back and listening to it, and I keep getting really nice feedback, you guys seem to be really enjoying it, if there's anything else you want me to cover more, you want me to cover less, you want me to stop blabbering on so much, you'd rather shorter episodes, you'd rather longer episodes, you know anyone who would be great as a guest, whatever, you want to say hi, just let me know, you can contact me on zoediscovers at gmail.com, you can also find me on most social media platforms on at zoediscovers or at zoediscoversnk, all of that information is in the show notes, let's crack on with this episode. So firstly, uh, you might be wondering what on earth the DMZ is. The title of this video 
probably is going to be the North-South Korean border. So basically that's what it is um, in very, very easy terms. It stands for Demilitarized Zone, uh, DMZ. Uh, if you are British, then you'll hate the fact that I call it DMZ because we say DMZ. But um, yeah, I guess I'm just so used to calling it the DMZ. Um, and that's how most people refer to it, I suppose. Anyway, most of you who are listening are American, so you, you, you'll get on. You, you, you'll be fine. Um, it has a, um, a very, very difficult history, obviously. Um, and as much as I make light of the visit, especially in the, um, in the video, it's actually, you know, visiting is, is no joke in reality. Um, and whilst I do argue that it's not as scary as others may say, and it's certainly not as scary as visiting from the South Korean side, it is um, it is important that you understand where you are visiting. It is important that you follow the rules here, just as you do anywhere else in North Korea. Um, but it's it's very important to have context when you're visiting here, because it's it's such an important part of North and South Korean history. Um, it's a very important part of the present as well. And it symbolizes, you know, this great um, distance and drift and awful separation of these two countries that we're both one um, and, you know, indeed are still at war in, in technical terms. Um, and most importantly for me, like, it symbolizes the separation of families, you know, of people, people who are still alive today, who have family members, who have friends across the border, who remember being able to walk across this border when, be freely, before it was even a border, before some people came up and decided to draw a line on the 38th parallel and say, okay, this is the north and this is the south, because that's what happened. And during that time, if you were in the north during that time, then you stayed in the north. If you were in the south when they drew this line, then you stayed in the south, okay? That is as simple as, you know, it was something so simple that can be so life-changing forever. And I'm sure no one at that time thought what it would mean for the individuals, thought that, you know, something like this would go on for so long. Uh, but it did. And so um, before we start talking about uh, visiting uh, the DMZ, I think it's important that we um, that we go into some of the historical aspects and more of the um, the specifics of what exactly it is. So the Korean DMZ, or the Demilitarized Zone, it was established in the aftermath of the Korean War. Now, the Korean War was between 1950 and 1953. It stretches for a massive 250 kilometers all across the width of the Korean peninsula. Um, peninsula. Um, so, you know, that's, that, that's the line that you see on a map that separates North and South Korea. 250 kilometers is 160 miles. So you've got the Mount Kumgang region in the east um, and the mouth of the Imjin and Han rivers in the west. The zone itself is four kilometers, two and a half miles across, and it separates North Korea and South Korea. That's the Democratic People's Republic of Korea and the Republic of Korea. 
So I did mention before the 38th parallel, and actually the 38th parallel is the original border that was drawn between the two countries in 1945, after liberation from Japan. Now actually there was a bit of a shift in this border, um, but the only major shift in territory during this, the war was the city of Kaesong which was liberated from southern control by the northern side and is now in North Korea's southernmost city. So during the war, Kaesong was part of South Korea, okay, which means it's significant because it means it wasn't bombed and flattened like most of North Korea was during the war. Um, so when you take a visit, but it's now part of North Korea. So when you take a visit to Kaesong, which is just on the border to North and South Korea, uh, when you take a visit there, you can see many, many um, really traditional buildings, really beautiful traditional buildings that are even hard to find in South Korea today. Um, and it's a really nice place to visit. It's just 10 minutes away from um, the North-South North Korea border, from the DMZ. Um, it's a really nice place to visit. You can also stay there overnight. Um, I'll probably do a, a whole episode on it um, at some point. But again, you can. I actually do a video um, on uh, my YouTube of one of the hotels that you can stay in. And it includes like walking through Kaesong. It's a very nice place. So how did this border come about? Well, in 1953, the Korean armistice was signed. This was signed um, meaning that hostilities between the UN forces and the communist forces of North Korea and also China were ended, uh, were ceased. Part of this agreement said that both sides should move their troops back two kilometers from the front line. Both of these troops moved back, meaning that there was a four kilometer kind of buffer zone wide chasm um, that stretches between two kilometers up of the north and two kilometers down of the south. This area is actually really interesting. It's cleared of completely all civilian settlements apart from the Daesongri in south, um, south area and Kijongdong in the north. The whole area is absolutely riddled with mines. For those who have seen Crash Landing on You, um, or Crash Landing on Me, right? Oh, such a good um, Korean, South Korean drama. Um, it's about a, um, if you haven't seen it yet, I would really recommend it. It's about a woman who, um, what does she do? She paraglides from South Korea accidentally into North Korea over, supposedly over um, the DMZ. Obviously, it's it's fictional, um, but it's it's a great it's a great drama anyway. Um, a lot of people keep asking me to review it. Um, I'll probably try and do it um, at some point very soon. Um, but this area is completely filled with landmines. Um, it, it's in reality you definitely don't want to be wandering through the forests um, of the Pamunjeon area. Um, Pamunjeon is just the name of the DMZ, but it's in Korean, so I'll use those names interchangeably. Really interestingly, because this area is completely rid of any humanness, any civilian settlements, it's recently um, been put in the news because it's like a haven for wildlife. It's It's got incredible amounts of, of wildlife. Um, various different kinds of breeds of deer and stuff like that um, and you know you can look for miles and miles and all you see is nice beautiful greenery it's it's really incredible it's um it's a good example of when um, when man kind of moves back and nature nature takes back over
You also have sightings of endangered species in this area, like a leopard um, and cranes as well. The actual physical um, demarcation line that you can literally see, and you can see it in basically a change of colour in gravel, I'll talk about that in a minute, but that's at a place called Pamunjon, which is like the main DMZ area. Um, and that is, um, it literally is just a line and it's right in the middle of these two kilometer lines. So like right in the center of there. And that is where as a tourist you will visit. Um, in the north, there is no other place to visit really um, if you want to visit the border area apart from the concrete wall. We're going to chat about that in a minute. Um, but in the south, you can drive a lot of the border areas and there are various um there are various areas that you can go and visit uh, the DMZ. You can go and visit the, this North-South Korean border um, all across all across the South, um, each offering their own kind of little insights and stuff like that. It's, it's very interesting. But from the North, there's really only two spots where you can uh, visit this area. So Panmunjeon, uh, which, which I keep kind of talking about, is just north of this military demarcation line in the DMZ. It's actually known as the Truce Village, um, and it is like a section of the DMZ area, but it's a section that most people know, um, and it's it's kind of become synonymous for those visiting um, the, the JSA, the Joint Security Area, which is, um, you know, where most, you know, most, which is where most tourists visit. It was the site of peace negotiations which took place between 1951 and 1953. So you can actually visit um, some of the, the rooms and see some of the things that were signed during these peace negotiations. I'll take you through um, in a minute when we, when we conclude this section of what it actually is. I'll take you through all of these different sections that you can see. The JSA area is the most um, famous area. It's the one that you'll recognize. You'll see it from all the pictures. It's the one with those blue hoods, right? Um, they're blue conference buildings and they literally straddle in the middle of North and South Korea, um, in the middle of that demarcation line that I was just talking about, the changes in gravel. Um, if you are lucky enough to be able to go inside these blue hoods, then you can technically walk from one side to the other because the buildings are half in one and half in the other. Aside from obviously be being very interesting as a tourist, these buildings um, are really important um, and have held um, numerous negotiations and diplomatic talks between both North and South Korea. So that's a really, really short and um, absolutely not in-depth look into the history and kind of geography of the DMZ and, and the border between North and South Korea. I'm not going to chat too much about North and South Korea history and politics and stuff like that, just because I feel like I probably won't do it justice um, and I probably won't do my own episode on North Korean politics, um, North and South Korean politics and, and the history and stuff like that, just because uh, that's not my speciality, obviously. Um, I know a lot about it, but I feel that um, there are other podcasts that do it more justice and I want to stay more on the um, on the tourism sides of things here. Obviously, I don't talk about politics anyway and I feel that when you start talking about the history, um, politics has to come in naturally. So I'm going to stay away from that side of things for the rest of this podcast and indeed throughout the whole of this, you know, Discover North Korea series. Um, but what I will say is that um, if you're not so up to date or if you want to find out more about 
um, the the DMZ or, or the, the Korean War or, you know, how all of this happened, then I would really suggest that you, um, you have a look for some um, other podcasts or wherever you like to get your your information YouTube videos just look for a you know quick explainer video on YouTube something like that because um oh you know there's so many books out there um because it is complicated and if you're planning a visit to the DMZ I think knowing all of this stuff um really adds context and really draws it home just how important this place is and just how much of a tragedy um actually this separation is uh but i am going to move away from that side of things now and we're going to get stuck into a visit what it's really like to visit the dmz firstly i'm going to start by visiting from south korea um and i'm only going to chat about this very quickly because Again, I do not have much experience in this. I've actually visited from the North Korean side about 20 times. I've never visited the Panmunjom area, the JSA area, from the south. So remember when I was saying at the start, like there's a lot of places that you can visit from the south. Um, you can you can drive along the border, basically. Um, I think they also have some hikes along the border now. At least um, they were talking about starting them um, some years ago. I don't know if they started now. There are many areas that you can visit uh, in South Korea, but the main area that most people want to visit and like, you know, the, the hardest place to get to because actually in South Korea, it's pretty difficult to try and get onto these tours because they're often, they're notoriously cancelled for no reason and they're often, um, yeah, just cancelled and, and stuff like that. It's, it's actually quite tricky uh, to make sure that they go ahead. Um, that is the JSA. Uh, so that is those blue buildings, Panmunjom area. And I have never been to the JSA Panmunjom area. I've never looked over at those blue huts from the South Korean side. I've only ever done that from the North Korean side. Um, however, I have been to some of the other different points from the South Korean side. Um, I'm not going to go into those today, but um, yeah, I've been to some of the border points from South Korea and looked into North Korea. Um is a very strange experience. I mean, you can look into North Korea from China as well, but there's there's definitely something a little bit different uh, looking into North Korea from the South Korea, uh, from standing in South Korea. Um, I remember, because we, we were driving during this time, I actually went with um, a couple of friends and um, we actually drove past one of the roads that um, that leads directly into, into the um, Mount Kumgang area, which used to be open to South Korea tourists. So Mount Kumgang area is in North Korea. And there was a period of time when relations weren't so uh, sensitive that uh, this Mount Kumgang area was open to South Korean tourists because it's a beautiful area. Um, and then unfortunately, a few years after it opened, um, it was then closed again due to an incident. Um, you guys can can read more about that if you want, um, but that's not open anymore. Anyway, we saw that that road um, so yeah, it really, when you visit these places, it really drives it home, um, that, you know, something can be separated by such a short, um, a short amount of space. You can look into somewhere, but you can't get there. And for me, I find that crazy. Um, but for someone with family and friends in that area that you can't get to, I can only imagine, um, you know, how, how difficult and distressing that must be.
Um, so from South Korea, um, I have only heard <laughs> that um, that it can be pretty intense and pretty scary. Um, and this is, I'm talking now about visiting the JSA, the main area, those blue huts. It's a lot more intense than visiting from the north, which most, most people cannot believe. But um, the feedback that I get, because a lot of tourists go from, um, from going to South Korea first and then visiting North Korea. That's, I guess, the normal way that most people do it. And a lot of people visit um, the JSA from the south. And they all say the same thing, that North, uh, visiting in North Korea is way more chilled out than visiting in South Korea. And um, obviously you wouldn't expect that. But what I've heard from visiting in South Korea is that, you know, um, you have to basically sign a disclaimer saying that, um, you know, if anything happens to you, then, um, then it's not their fault. You have to wear, you know, um, suitable clothing um, and you're not allowed to wave. Um, it's always very funny. Um, you know, kind of seeing tourists uh, on the other side. This has only happened to me once because um, basically South Korea really don't like um, the North Korean tourists. So the, the foreign tourists in North Korea, they don't like them waving to the South Korean side. And when you're in South Korea, you're instructed not to wave to the other side or say anything to the other side. Um, I think because of this and probably because of other reasons, um, they've made it so that in North Korea you visit in the morning, in South Korea you visit in the afternoon. So it's very rare that you will see tourists on the other side. Um, I've only seen it a couple of times and I think they've been special delegations or journalists. And of course, when you're standing in North Korea, you can wave and you can shout at them. They can't do anything back. Um, it's quite amusing, actually. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot stricter um, from the South. Um, and... Um, yeah, I think it's just a little bit scary, uh, to be honest, from what I've heard um, of people visiting. Not to say that you shouldn't visit from the South, of course. Uh, it's just a very completely different experience um, and might be very, very different to what the experience you might have in, um, in North Korea. So now what can you expect from a tour in North Korea? Well, first of all, we have to get down to Kaesong. And this is going to go pretty much in depth because like I said, like the video that I did is only like 10 or 12 minutes long. Um, it's also pretty badly edited. You know, I never know when I'm making vi um, videos on YouTube. It takes me so long and I never know what is going to go big and what's not. So, um, you know, sometimes I don't put like 100% of my effort in. I mean, I do usually <laughs> and I don't put anything out that I'm not happy with but you know if I'd have known that this video would have been this big um, I probably would have put a little bit more effort into it anyway I'm gonna go quite in depth so um feel free to fast forward or whatever but I think it'll be pretty interesting so we're in Pyongyang because that is where pretty much every North Korea tour starts. In order to go to the DMZ, you need to spend like at least two or three days in North Korea because going to the DMZ alone takes up an entire day. It's actually about a, hmm, man, it's, um, it's a long drive actually, probably about anything between two and four hours from Pyongyang to down to the DMZ. Um, it would be probably a lot quicker if the road wasn't so bumpy. Um, the road is pretty dodgy, to be honest, and the guides like to say that it is a free massage. Um, we usually leave very early in the morning um, from Pyongyang, which uh, people really 
they really dislike me for, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to be on the bus at around 7am um, so that we can be at the DMZ at a good time before it gets too busy, before the other toll groups arrive so that um, we can make sure to have um, plenty of time um, to, to enjoy the surroundings and, um, and not it not be too crowded because sometimes in summer especially or in like big tourist season um it can be very crowded so we like to get there early um another option if you don't want to leave so early in the morning or if you want to experience Kaesong, which I was talking about before, you can drive down from Pyongyang in the afternoon and then you can stay overnight in Kaesong, um, in the traditional Korean style hotel. It's really nice. And then once you're in Kaesong, you can have a look around Kaesong. Uh, there's various things to see, um, some little walks that you can do. And then you stay in this traditional style hotel, which is really lovely, um, underfloor heating, that kind of thing and you sleep on the floor, it's actually really, really nice. Um, and the whole area is just lovely. Very, very peaceful. And then uh, you'll get up and have a chilled out morning, and the next day you will just drive to Panmunjom. It's only a 10 minute drive away, so that's really nice. The tourist buses will first travel under a huge concrete arch into the car park. This concrete arch has the words in Korean, um, reunification tongil written on it with huge letters above um and it's in um you, you'll see it it's like in massive um camo it's camouflage uh painting put on it which doesn't really make any sense because i don't know what they're trying to camouflage and it's got big massive letters on it but whatever the bus will take you there um and it will park it in the car park and then i will tell everyone like hey guys now we've got to wait around for a little bit you're not allowed to take photos here you're really not allowed to take photos here, um, but you can go into the gift shop. Um, and what's basically happening here is that um, we have to say that we're here, we have to register and say, hey, um, you know, we've got a, a group of this many people. And then you have to wait around um, for the North Korean soldier who is going to be like your military guide and show you around. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Whilst all of this is being organised, there is like a gift shop little area that people can hang around in. Um, there is also toilets that you can go to before we start heading in. Um, and you will also um, have the possibility to... Um, you'll also have the... Pos um, this is actually a really good location for buying your propaganda posters. So you've got off the bus, you're doing some shopping, waiting around a little bit, and then... 
it starts to get a little bit more strict. And whilst I said at the start, and I keep saying it, that visiting from the north is a lot more chilled out than visiting from the south, I do mean that, but it's not a place to mess around. You still have to be aware of the gravity of where you are, um, and you have to make sure that you're following um, the orders of what everyone is saying. So this is where it starts to get a little bit strict. You go outside to the car park area, and then you have to line up um, according to however the military guide wants you to line up. Sometimes it's it's in lines of in lines of two, whatever. Either way, you have to line up, and then I don't know why they do this. For me, it feels like like ceremonial but I guess maybe they might be counting people basically um the bus will drive through the main gates and then wait for you to get on and you will walk in lines onto that bus after you've gone through the gates that are the main entrance gates I, I don't know why they do this actually they must be counting people I'm not sure then, uh, once everyone is back on the bus, and you can obviously use this time to like put all your souvenirs back on the bus, um, you'll drive for another couple of minutes, which will take you um, through the, um, I don't know, through some like kind of tunnel kind of things, um, and down to the main Palonjon area. During this time, actually, um, you might have noticed that um, you might have signal from South Korea or as you are driving closer to the South Korean border your phone might start buzzing um, if you have like data roaming enabled because you might be getting signal from South Korea. If this happens it's fine. Um, I just would recommend looking at your phone silently, um, you know maybe sending some texts and stuff like that. Uh, it's not really allowed to do this but like it's not not allowed. Um, I just wouldn't recommend like shouting to everyone like, hey, we've got signal or, you know, telling the guides like, hey, look, I just got a text from South Korea. Really wouldn't recommend doing that. You know, just look at your phone privately. Um, but also don't spend the next two hours on your phone just because you've just got internet in North Korea. Obviously, um, in you don't usually have internet in North Korea, so I totally understand why everyone's super excited. But this is um, a really key part of your trip and it would be a shame if you spend it all on your phone. Um, so for sure, send a message to your to your parents, to your family, to your friends, whatever, but um, then, you know, turn your phone back off because um, you're about to get like explanations on, like really deep explanations on the history and, um, you know, the importance of the area that you're in. If you're on your phone all the time, you might also miss the North Korean flag that's visible on the right-hand side atop one of the largest flagpoles in the world. Um, yes, larger than the South Korean flagpole that is on the other side. On this drive, there is a first stop before you hit the JSA, and that first stop is the um, Armistice Talks Hall and Peace Museum. So these are two adjacent buildings, um, and they serve as places where Armistice Talks were held. Very important talks. South Korea, however, was not there as a signatory, and hence um, it's often cited that these two countries remain technically at war. In these buildings, you can see um, lots of photos and some relics and some flags and um, things that were actually there and used as part of these armistice talks. And you'll also get um, a chance to sit on the tables um, where these talks took place and sit on these very chairs where these talks took place and you'll get an explanation on um on these talks <clears throat> sorry you'll get an explanation on these talks um and what was said during them and their historical relevance 
after you visited this area um, and these two buildings, you'll then get back on the bus um, and you'll continue on your very short journey to the actual JSA area. You'll cross a barbed wire fence and there you are. You're in the JSA. You are in Panmunjom. Once you arrive in this JSA area after, yeah, just a little two-minute drive, um, you can then get off the bus. Um, and again, you should make sure to remain um, orderly, uh, not run off anywhere. This is a very intense area. And although the military guide might make you feel very comfortable um, and he might be very friendly and stuff like that, it is important, again, to realize the gravity of where you are and to not mess around. This is not the time to be making jokes that, that may be deemed inappropriate and it's not the time to go walking off um, and stray away from the group. Absolutely not. Um, so when you get off, but again, but I don't want it to seem scary. Um, you will be safe. You will be fine. It's not scary. Um, the reason that I want to reiterate these things is because, um, I don't want to, you to be lulled into a false sense of security because it, it, when you're there, it doesn't feel that intense and it feels, um, you know, you do feel very safe and the military guard might be making jokes with you. Um, and so for this reason, I just wanted to reiterate, um, that, uh, yeah, you need to, you need to remember where you are. So we get off the bus and um, we stay in lines again where we are first taken to a massive, a massive stone uh, which has the signature of Kim Il-sung on it. This is like um, a huge marble monument um, and it's reported that this is a copy of the signature he wrote on his final document before his death in 1994. It is walking to this signature and this area that you will get your first glimpse of these blue hoods. Um, they will be literally just around the corner and therefore you can also get your first glimpse really of South Korea. You are literally, when you are looking past these buildings, you are looking into South Korea. So you'll carry on walking um, round to um, this the, the main area where you will be able to see the blue huts very clearly and walk up to the pavilion. And I want to mention here that who's guiding you will be a trained military guide. So he is a soldier or, you know, whatever ranking he is. Um, he is in the military, but he's also trained as a guide to be able to show you around this area. Um, he doesn't speak English or probably won't speak English, so you'll also have the guides translating. And you will also probably have soldiers with you as well, and they will be wearing like the typical um, kind of camo uniforms. Uh, they are, I think they're kind of grey and different uh, different colours of grey. Um, whereas the military guard will probably, military guide will probably be wearing like green uniform. Um, and these soldiers um, that are wearing the camo uniforms, they will like kind of walk in front of you and or behind you and watch out for, um, you know, everyone's safety and stuff like that whilst the military guide is guiding um, and explaining each area that you go to. So you've just walked past the signature for um, of Kim Il-sung and um, then it is just literally a 30 second walk to the main area, which is pretty epic when you walk up to it because you'll walk up um, 30 seconds and then you turn right and you see it. It's there right in front of you, those blue huts. Um, and opposite is a massive building and that's South Korea. And then you look down uh, to where the blue huts are and there is gravel and stone on the floor 
And basically this stone versus gravel, so the gravel being a little bit darker gray and the stone being a little bit of a lighter gray, it shows the border between north and south. And these blue hertz, they cross over that border, okay? Now, if you are super lucky, as I said, I've only, I've visited about 20 times and only done this once. If you're super lucky um, and the blue hertz are open for access, you will then be taken down some steps and into these blue huts. When you go into these blue huts, again, you can pretty much, if you walk to the back of the blue hut, technically in South Korea, I guess, um, you have walked over that concrete versus stone, that, um, you know, stone versus gravel line, and when you look out of the window um, of these blue huts, you can see that. Um, you can have a look around, um, maybe get a bit of an explanation in there. The soldiers will follow you in as well. Um, don't mess around in here. And then once you're taking your pictures in there, you can um, then go out, you'll go back up the stairs, and then you'll enter into another building where you'll walk up some stairs, and this is basically the pavilion. Um, there's there's nothing interesting really in here, it's just basically um, an area for you to walk up inside the building and then out onto the balcony so that you can get a better view of things. And I wanted to pause right here and, and mention photography, um, because I kind of forgot to mention at the start, um, so let's go back to the beginning when we were in the car park area. It's actually not permitted to take photo photos here at all. Um, I did take, <laughs> you can see in the video actually, I took some videos of myself um, in this area and with the um, concrete kind of um, uh, archway behind me that says reunification on it, right next to the bus, and I took this video and I asked before if I could take this video, and I think the reason that they don't like photos and videos here is because um, they don't like the soldiers being taken here, the images of soldiers being taken, and also I think that they are sensitive about photos being pointed towards the main entrance gate, um, the one that you, uh, you know, ceremoniously walk through to get then back onto the bus. So I think as long as you don't point your cameras that way, it's absolutely fine. There is also another area that you are allowed to take photos of um, in this area, and that is a there will be like a big um, stone propaganda poster and it says Chosun um, Hanada, which means Korea is one. And there will be a big finger pointing saying one. And there's also a photo of some, some happy children, uh, sorry, sorry, a poster of some happy children. You can take p photos of that, that's absolutely fine. But generally in this area, it's not permitted to take photos. Now, a lot of people ask, well, one of the main rules about North Korea in taking photos is that you're not allowed to take a photo or a video um, of the North Korean military. And whilst this is very true, um, and I am very grateful that people point this out because it means that you listen to me, um, it's actually the only place in the whole of North Korea that you can take photos of the military. Um, but I would recommend that you ask. So uh, the military guide that you will have, you can take photos with him in it. Um, you can take photos with the soldier and I guess that they allow it here because, well, they have no real way to get around it unless that they were going to, um, you know, not allow photos in the whole area, which um, they probably realized would be a massive shame. So um, they allow photos of the soldiers um, and of the military guide here, which is, how basically I took all the photos and video. Like I said, there is nothing in North Korea that I take that you cannot take. 
technically. Uh, let me speak about that a little bit because um, if you want a photo with the military guide, um, imagine we have a group of 20 people. Every single person in that group, trust me, wants a photo on their own with this military guide. Now, this military guide, you're not going to be his only group for that day, okay? He's going to have, like, a few groups that day. And he's done this for years, and he will be doing this for years, and he does this, like, pretty much every day. So, he does not want to take a photo with you, trust me. Instead, and to be honest, um, you know, if you want to take a picture with him, that's fine, you can ask him. But uh, how I prefer to do it, and um, I think <laughs> how they're grateful um, that I prefer to do it, and, you know, I apologize to the Taurus for this in advance, but, um, I ask for their understanding when I say, hey guys, how about we just take a group photo, instead of every single person in this 20-person group asking him for their own picture, we also don't have time for that, really, um, if it's a small group, maybe five or six of you, then sure, um, you know, feel free to ask him, um, if you can take a photo with him. It's, in the end of the day, it's up to him, it's not up to me, but usually I try and facilitate this process by suggesting that we have a group photo together. Um, obviously, you guys have seen in my video that, um, you know, I do a little bit of an interview him with him, and I obviously have photos by myself with him, so I sound like a bit of a hypocrite. You know, Zoe, you have videos and photos with him, why can't I? Well, like I said, it's up to him. Um, and I always say that the videos and photos that I take in North Korea, everyone else can take in North Korea, but this is a bit of an exception. And it's not an exception in terms of, like, the rules to North Korea, like, anyone can technically take all of the video content that I do, but it's down to the individuals, um, and it's down to trust, and I think, um, not anyone can, <laughs> would, like, you know, the military guide would not say yeah to anyone for an interview at the DMZ because one, he doesn't know you, um, so he doesn't know your um, intent on what you're going to use that content for. He doesn't, and he doesn't trust you to um, ask the questions or he doesn't trust you, like, what you're going to do with the questions. Maybe you'll make him feel really uncomfortable, stuff like that. And three, like, um, you know, like, <laughs> he knows me and we're kind of like, you know, we've seen each other a lot of times before. Um, we're good colleagues, uh, and so he was happy to do that for me, and I'm very, very grateful. Um, so, but it doesn't mean that he would do it for you, um, and I, I think that's fine. You know, he didn't have to do it for me either. I'm just very, very grateful. Um, but that's what I mean when I say technically, um, anyone can take these photos and videos that I do, but there are some instances where maybe the guides will feel more comfortable talking to me than they would talking with an absolute stranger, because, let's be honest, there is so much rubbish on YouTube that's like, oh my god, I went to North Korea, and it was mental, and it puts the guides in a really, really bad light, and the guides are aware of this, they know this, they're not stupid, um, a lot of people have said it to them, if, um, you know, if somehow they're not talking about it in their own company, then, you know, other tourists have gone in and, like, shown them these videos, um, or have said, like, hey, I saw you in this video and stuff, and can you imagine how bad that must make the guides feel? Like, they had no intention of their faces or names being used like this, um, and then, you know, people put, um, their names and faces out, making them look really bad, um, make, you know, dehumanizing them further, and I think that's really unfair. So, I mean, they trust that I'm not going to do that, so, um, and they're used to people bending the truth in, in other videos. So I guess um, it's that combination of trusting me and not trusting others. So pretty much the rest of the um, JSA trip, the rest of your um, DMZ trip, you can take photos apart from that start bus um, car park area, 
but this is one of the few places that I would recommend that you ask before you take a photo because there are some places along the way, um, for example, at the um, Kim Il-sung uh, marble signature um, statue area, they don't like you taking photos um, that is not of the signature. They don't like you taking photos of the surroundings. So it's just a good idea to kind of ask before you take photos in this area. Usually I'll say in North Korea, like, it's generally okay as long as you follow the rules, you don't have to ask every time. But in the DMZ, why don't you just ask every time? Um, nothing bad will happen, you know, if you accidentally take one bad photo and stuff, the guide will just ask you to delete it politely. If you keep doing it, obviously that's when you might get into trouble. Um, but if you do it once accidentally, it's absolutely fine. Um, it's just uh, a place where it's better to ask. So continuing, continuing along on our tour, we are currently on the pavilion, on the balcony, and looking down onto those blue huts, looking over to South Korea. If you can see any um, any visitors on the South Korean side, feel free to give them a wave, feel free, feel free to shout over to them. Um, they'll probably be taking pictures of you and thinking that you're absolutely mental. Um, <laughs> uh, you can feel sorry for them that they're not allowed to wave back or, or shout back to you. And this is the main area where you're going to get your best photos, your best shots, and also where we do the group picture with the military guide. Um, you have the blue hoods in the background, it makes for a very nice shot. And also, this pretty much concludes the tour. So if you do want to take a picture with the military guide, or if, you, if we do want to get a group shot, this is where it's going to be, because the tour is pretty much about to be concluded. So after we've taken photos up here on this pavilion area, you go back down the stairs, you walk exactly the same way that you came, oh no you don't, sorry, you walk down the stairs and then you walk um, through the back of the building, which means that you don't go around the building, you don't see the signature again, you don't go around the corner, you literally say goodbye to the JSA, you say goodbye to the Blue Huts, you get back on the bus and then you drive the whole way back to the parking area. Now when you are in this parking area, again, we don't generally don't get off the bus again, so if you wanted to do souvenir shopping at the start is definitely where you do it. You can stop here for a quick toilet break, but we want to get going back to Pyongyang um, before dark, uh, before the afternoon is over at least. So um, yeah, try and be quick here and um, I'll have told you beforehand to, um, to do all your shopping before that. One thing that I didn't mention, um, actually right at the start of the tour before you start to enter the JSA area, is that um, the actual start of the tour starts right at the gift shop actually um, in a room just behind the gift shop there is a map of the DMZ there's also a map of the entire Korean Peninsula actually any map that you see in North Korea is going to be of the entire Korean Peninsula they do not recognize that the north and south is separated which is why in North Korea we should only refer to Korea as Korea or the DPRK its official name um, instead of referring to it as North Korea and South Korea, um, they find this highly offensive, so we should call it just Korea or DPRK, Democratic People's Republic of Korea. So um, the military guide will actually start the tour here, and this is a really interesting and useful explanation to add context and geography as well, where he'll show you the 38th parallel, he'll show you the division line, um, and he'll show you uh, where the DMZ is, and, you know, give you some really important in his, um, important history and background on the area. So that's actually where the tour starts, and then you'll go into, um, you know, through those gates and everything that I just mentioned. Sorry to, um, to kind of backtrack on that. And then 
once you're on the bus, uh, everyone's had their toilet break. Everyone has um, has said goodbye to the military guide. Um, hopefully, you know, you've kind of had some smiles from him. You know, you've kind of had some banter, got chatting, been a little, a little friendly to him. He's going back now probably to do his second group of the day or his third group probably a little bit tired, um, is now on to on the way back to Pyongyang, most probably, unless you have anything else planned in the area, maybe you're going to have a look around Kaesong, and there's plenty of things to do in Kaesong, I'll probably do um, as part of the um, DPRK cities um, and DPRK provinces kind of series that I'm, I'm doing um, in this Discover North Korea podcast, um, I'll probably do one on Kaesong, I did one recently on Nampo, my favourite place to visit in North Korea, I think that's episode 9, um, Kaesong is very interesting, um, you can enjoy a very, very typical Korean meal here, which is, which is very good, you'll probably have that, um, just before you start heading back, and there is actually one place that you can still visit, um, which is the concrete wall, I mentioned that at the start, um, in South Korea, you know, you can visit from many areas, in North Korea there's really only a couple the concrete wall being one of them. Now the concrete wall is quite interesting. It's a short drive to this site from the JSA area and it's it's quite worth a look to be honest if you have the extra time. Um, it sits atop a hill looking out over the DMZ. So this site is meant to highlight a large concrete wall which the South Korea, the South Korean military reportedly built across the entire peninsula. This is seen to symbolize South Korea's wish to permanently divide the peninsula, or at least that's, you know, the North Korean narrative of it. The wall is clearly visible through the military binoculars at the lookout, or so they say. I mean, a lot of people <laughs> spend their time, like, using these binoculars, so they provide binoculars when you walk up there, and when you arrive you will have to walk up the hill yourself. It's it's like a five minute walk, it's quite nice, and it provides a really, really, once you get to the top, it provides a really nice view of the whole of the DMZ, and it's green, it's lush, it's lovely. Um, I will put a picture on my Instagram this week as this podcast is coming out, so um, if you want a um, an idea of what this wall looks like and what this the, the DMZ, this four kilometer chasm looks like, um, do head over to my Instagram. Um, you'll have a different military guide guide you around here and he'll basically give like a little presentation um, first of the history of the concrete wall and its significance and then you'll be taken outside to these binoculars where um, the guide will try and point it out but <laughs> honestly you are standing at the top of the hill looking out to a massive space of miles and miles of green uh, foliage and stuff and Honestly, it's very hard to see um, if this concrete wall exists. Um, and, you know, South Korea constantly deny the fact that it exists. North Korea says that it does. Um, and the guide will will adamantly point at it to you. Whether you can see it or not, um, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen it before. <laughs> maybe I need to... I've never looked at it through the binoculars wearing my glasses. So maybe that's my issue. Um, but a lot of people uh, have trouble seeing it. Anyway... That's, that's the concrete wall. It's definitely worth a look at. Other things that you can see in Kaesong um, are um, you can go and have a look um, at one of the other um, hill areas where you can look out to Kaesong City and not the DMZ. Um, and you can also just have um, a walk through some of the old streets in Kaesong, which are really pleasant. And that is pretty much it, to be honest. That is, um, that's a little kind of audio tour through the DMZ, um, the demilitarized zone, 
the border separating North and South Korea. I'm not sure how well it came across in podcast form. Um, would love to hear your feedback. Obviously, um, I when I'm talking about it, I'm visualizing everything so clearly, and it goes like clockwork for me because I'm just so used to visiting there and obviously trying to take tour groups through there. So for me, um, it's um, it's nice to remember about these times um, and nice to nice to be able to take you you through it. I hope that it kind of came across um, in audio form. If not, then you know what, just head back to, to the YouTube video. It's only 10 minutes long. Um, if you haven't seen it before, um, then I would recommend watching it because it will add some nice visuals to this. Um, I don't know if I have any videos of the concrete wall. I've definitely posted some um, reels on it. Um, and there will be more reels to come, so look out for those. Um, but you you can't see the concrete wall through the photos that I've taken, unfortunately. Well, you could maybe zoom in, see see if you can. Let me know if you ever find it. Um, and um, and yeah, if you have any questions, if you have anything else that you want to know about the DMZ, do feel free to contact me on any of my social media platforms. I always reply on Instagram on at Zoe Discovers NK or at Zoe Discovers. I never really reply on TikTok, so you know, feel free to leave comments, but I probably won't reply. Um, or you can email me on zoediscovers at gmail.com. I always check my emails and reply to those as well. Thank you very much for coming back to the podcast once again. Look forward to next week where hopefully I will be taking you on a train journey from China to the North Korean border. I really hope that I can do that. If not, um, then I promise it'll be something else exciting. So make sure to tune in again next week. And thank you for joining me again this week. Bye bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.